You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's breads and spreads by Fred. First and foremost, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope the first week of the new year is treating you well. And I know that some of you, as part of your New Year's resolution, might be saying, Sweets, that's not for me. I'm getting in shape this year. I'm going to get beach ready in January. Well, I'm right there with you. Getting in shape is one of my New Year's resolutions as well. So you might be asking yourself, why should I be ordering from a place that does sweets? Well, there are lots of reasons. First and foremost, FredsBS.com makes for great gifts for your friends, family, coworkers, all sorts of things. And two, just because you're getting in shape doesn't mean you can't treat yourself from time to time. Everything in moderation. So guys, I highly recommend that you go to FredsBS.com and order yourself some treats. Uh, and if you use the coupon code, no love lost, that's all one word, no love lost, you're going to get 20% off of your order. So guys, go to fredsbs.com, get yourself some treats right now. His BS box includes six cookies, a four-ounce jar of jam, and two small orders of baked goods. Guys, they make for a great gift for friends and family. And also, guys, it's just, again, if you want to treat yourself, I highly recommend it. So Happy New Year, everybody. Don't forget, that's No Love Lost, 20% off your order. Take it away, Michelle. Let's go to the island I would like. To see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something supposedly But even though there are times We hang our heads in sadness We know there's no love lost We had... To go back. Like, did we though? I mean, you're contractually obligated to go back. <laughs> about a about hundred more times, in fact. Oh no! <laughs> My worst fears! Welcome back to No Love Lost, the, the podcast. I almost said project. It is a project. <laughs> in which we go back and dissect Lost episode by episode, with the foresight of people who have already watched it episode by episode. What have I done? Uh, I am Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas, hey everyone. And we are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 19, Deus Ex Machina. (sighs) Oh, I sense some problems already from you. (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, this episode is notable because it is written by Carlton Coos and Damon Lindelof, and ah. it is the first time they are credited together on oh. a script. That makes a lot of sense. And from here on out, like, all the big episodes, they're the showrunners, and they, from here on out, if it's a big episode, uh, these two are writing it. The... Just kind of as a side note, uh, like that doesn't surprise me <laughs> actually that you you've mentioned that this team of writers was the one working on it because all throughout our coverage, so to speak, of this season, 
Um, I've been feeling a lot of nostalgia for season one because I love season one so much. Um, this is the first, you know, we've, we've had some meh episodes here and there. Not too many, but we've had a few meh episodes. This is the first episode where it didn't make me feel like I felt watching it the first time. This is the first episode where, upon a rewatch, I feel like it's a later episode of Lost than it actually is. Like, this doesn't feel like a season one episode to me. This feels more like season two, season four, and Now, what, why do you feel that way with I this? I don't know. Maybe it's because of the focus on John Locke and well, Island Magic. There's, I, there's a lot of Island Magic in this. And it, it is an episode where I do think you see the wheels turning a little bit. Yeah. Um, to that point, uh, well, I kind of want to just jump into it then. Oh, by the way, it's directed by Robert Mandel. Okay. Figured we should, we should, we always say the director <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, didn't want to sure, shortchange sure. Robert. He, I know he's listening. It's, it's a very <laughs> well-directed episode. Robert, Robert, darling, you did a fabulous job directing this episode. Uh, but to my point about you can see kind of the wheels in motion of this one. The very, uh, we'll start with the flashback, and the very first scene in the flashback is Locke teaching a child about the game Mousetrap, and it's very on the nose that a mousetrap is being set for him. Like, it's yes. very, like, it's not a metaphor they're trying to disguise or hide, they're wearing it on the, which is fine, well, I have no problem with that. I mean, but. to the show's credit, which... Yeah, I guess take a shot every time I say that, because after this season I won't be saying you'll, it very you'll much. You'll never get drunk. <laughs> um, to the show's credit, um, I don't think upon a first viewing it's as on the nose as it initially seems, because this opening scene, yeah, it's it's all about Mousetrap, but it's, you know, he's very much leaning into, like, setting up this Rube Goldberg machine um, for, you know, for that. And then we immediately, like, not to jump into the island stuff yeah. too quickly, but we immediately go into him using those sort of Rube Goldberg <laughs> engineering skills, um, pseudo-engineering skills, to try to get the hatch open. So you kind of think, it's like, oh, okay, no, that's, that's where it's tying in. When, in fact, um, yeah, because we, we look that's at true. it from we, the... we've got the, we've got the 2020 kind yeah. of thing. We, we have the hindsight of, like, there's a trap being laid for Locke on this island by malevolent forces that he can't necessarily comprehend, but then there's also the additional thing of, no, there's somebody setting, in the flashback, in the context of the flashback, there's somebody setting a trap for him. So there's kind of multiple things going on. So, yeah, it seems a little on the nose in hindsight, and from my very cynical point of view of this series, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Whatever. But well, that's that's very interesting. You saying that because I wonder now if I'm. This is one of the first cases in doing this podcast where I'm bringing a little bit of baggage, knowing what's going to happen. I've, it's been fun rediscovering these things, but immediately I was like, I, I wrote down like on the nose and stuff like that because I was like, well, yeah, it's obvious a trap's being set, and now, maybe it maybe it isn't for now, a first time viewer. Now I do want to ask you. Well, for a, a very astute television person, could easily look at this as going, okay, this is clearly foreshadowing. But what it's foreshadowing, 
island stuff or flashback stuff that I guess is the it, mystery to unravel for a few first time viewer. It's also one of those things with uh, uh, casting too because uh, Locke is setting up. Is Locke working at a toy store? Where, where's Locke work? He's I thought working he worked at a, some sort of department store. I thought he yeah. worked at a box factory or something. <laughs> That's after his accident, I think. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah, because he's, that's, I think the first thing that somebody should notice is that, one, he's got hair, <laughs> a very bad sort of wig-looking thing, um, and then, two, he's walking. He is up and around. Because this so, is years early. Yeah, and we, they make a point of saying, in the, of showing in the flashback when he's in his wheelchair that he's lived with his condition for the past four years, which, I'll be honest, is a detail that... <laughs> constantly eludes me because when I think of John Locke in the wheelchair I'm like how long was he actually in the wheelchair like that that's for whatever reason him being in the wheelchair for four years is something that always skirts by me I always think of it as being like a much more permanent thing but um which it is it, it is definitely a permanent thing but it's not something he's lived with for like decades it's something he's lived with only for a couple of years well, w one giveaway that something's up in the scene. So while he's doing a mousetrap, this woman's watching him, and it's it's Swoozy Kurtz, the actress, who's like a known face, a known actress. Yeah. Particularly, like she was on like a lot of TV shows in the '90s, and this but is I very close like to the '90s. She's also been in a few movies as yeah. well. Like um, the one I'm I'm thinking of, like she was one of the lawyers in Liar Liar, right? Am I making that up? I might be making that up. Uh, no, I don't think you're making up. I don't know if she was the lawyer. Yeah, though, I feel like she was I the lawyer in the trial. She's. I, I believe you're right. She's in it. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen Liar Liar. I don't know Swoozy Kurtz's filmography. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so you immediately know there's going to be something to this character. Yeah. This it, isn't just like some day player. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she certainly makes an impression um, the, although what I, what I will say though, is I'm like, oh, how old is Locke supposed to be in these flashbacks? I'm legitimately curious. He has the, he has the hair of a young man. <laughs> Does he? Cause that's the one thing, that's my one kind of, and this is the limitations of doing flashbacks, I suppose. Yeah. Is that my, my one sort of critique of these flashbacks in particular is that I'm like, I don't know how old John Locke is supposed to be in relation to his parents. I but legit don't yeah. know. And he's also not... Yeah, he's not playing young enough where you could justify getting a younger actor, like yeah. a different actor, and it make any sense. Yeah, and that's no criticism towards Terry O'Quinn at all. He's a phenomenal actor. Um, and I only recently found out that he was the actor in the original Stepfather movie. Yeah. Uh, which, I was like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. <laughs> um, and this is years after that, so he was playing Stepfather. How old was, how old is Terry O'Quinn? I don't know! How old was he when this episode aired? Should I run and grab my phone? And that and character see, like, is. What year uh, uh, you know, somebody will tell us on Twitter. Yeah, I'm sure. But like, we'll get like a million. What, well, what actually, I would, what I would be horrified to find out is like, oh, John Locke's character in this flashback. This episode is 27 years old. Like what? <laughs> oh dear. 
know, that's a rough 27. <laughs> He's lived a hard life, though. Well, he has lived a hard life. He's lived a... a he never knew his, his mom and his dad. I... And Swoozy Kurtz is his mother. And after her asking him some bullshit questions about footballs, they have an encounter in the parking lot. Which, uh, he gets tagged by a car... Yeah. First time I watched this, I was like, oh, "Is that how he became oh, paralyzed?" Yeah. And then he stands right up, and I'm like, "Oh, thank and God!" And the show <laughs> is so messing with us in that regard. Like everything that, they do in this episode, you're like, "Oh, is the car hitting him gonna, or is something gonna go wrong in that surgery?" And he's gonna, you in, know, in hindsight, a hunting accident maybe. In hindsight, uh, John Locke getting hit by that car, like. That's kind of a, like, I should have, in hindsight, I should have looked at this episode, you know, all those years ago, as an indication of how badly the show was going to fuck with me. (laughs) Well, remember, he also, in the last season, there's a scene where he gets hit by a cartoon, where he gets run down. In the last season? Yeah, by Ben. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, is that him, or is that a different character? (laughs) That's... Because multiple characters get hit by cars in this show. That's him in a different plane of existence, <laughs> for lack of a better God word. God damn this show. It's so stupid. No, it's good. It's great. It's really emotional, and I loved it. Whatever. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a few years. I had different emotions. <laughs> um, so basically, his mother... Uh, yeah, this lady comes forward, like, after he d- kind of demands answers from her, she admits to being his mother, which, oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, and then explains to him how it was an immaculate conception. He had no father. He wants to know who the father well, is. It's funny, too, because she knows so little about him. She's like, well, obviously you're adopted, and he's like, no, I came from a series of foster homes, and, like... That's information that she's getting at the exact same time we're getting it because mm. she she gave him up for adoption. She assumed he would be adopted into a home and you know raised by loving par- adopted parents. And no, he floated around in the system, and that I think also says a lot about him. You know uh, that that sort of sets the stage for for his sort of journey in life. Yes, he he gets off to a rough start, is what we're saying, and yeah. She says you were immaculately conceived, which it's so funny to see John Locke look at someone incredulously about what they believe when later in life he will be spouting nonsense about island magic. But yeah, I kind of love that beat because, you know, immaculate conception is one of the big leaps of faith that somebody in Christianity kind of has to take that this thing that was this, Mary was, you know. Yeah. Um, God put this child inside. And Locke, who takes biggest leaps of faith, like, yeah, he can't. He's like, whoa. This <laughs> seems like eh, a bridge too far for him that he was immaculate. And but, it is. But you also see the groundwork being laid with, um, in terms of, like, w- what later is going to happen to him that, like, you know, she's kind of... Even though he's not necessarily internalizing it at this moment, she's telling him, you're special. You're special. You're special. Like, we were brought together for a reason. And, yeah, like, he dismisses it here, but he later on sort of takes on those same sort of uh, leaps in logic, I suppose you could say, Um, where, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, again, a younger John Locke look at somebody else making these assertions 
with just as much incredulity as sort of Boone gives him in this episode. Um, but yeah, it it's also super unnerving. Like you and I were, we we had a discussion about this. Like I feel like a couple episodes ago, you and I were both raised Catholic. Yes. Like the first time I watched this episode, when she says you were immaculately conceived, I was like, Oh no, John Macron, she's crazy. <laughs> like you can't just say that sort of thing. But you know what he. Uh... Look, there, there's some Christ-like things that end up happening to John Locke in his life. Uh, I mean... All, he's, all meant he to has deceive dis- him. He has disciples. I mean, look, he is... He does come back from the dead, sort of. That's... It's such an interesting... I suppose you could say, take on it. Because he is led to believe he's this Christ-like figure when, in fact, he, much like, you know, Lucifer sort of deceives. So... He's being deceived. He's being duped into thinking he's a Christ-like figure when, in fact, he's not. He's a pawn. He is a pawn. But Swoozy Kurtz makes him feel special. Is this the first... Is this the John Locke equivalent of every child gets a trophy, they all think they're so special, Swoozy Kurtz comes oh, in. And <laughs> was she a, was she a, um, parent, a parent of a millennial before it was cool? Um, John Locke, millennial, with that haircut. <laughs> uh, he's a young oh millennial. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I wanted to wait until we got into more of the island stuff with this, but I would actually, I would die if somebody, like, linked me the high school AU fanfic version of Lost. Someone send it to me. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> please. And we'll talk about it more when we get to the island sort of B-plot of this episode. But I need that high school AU <laughs> fanfic. Someone send it my way. Or if it doesn't exist, I will write it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Locke decides, I gotta find out if this woman's for real. He hires a private eye. Yeah. And the private eye. Which, by the way, this is a big... uh, If he hadn't hired this private eye, I wonder what Anthony Cooper's plan was going to be here. But (laughs) Locke hires a private eye, and he... And the private eye warns him against, like, maybe knowing who his father is. I think... It's hard to say, but I, I feel like... That's more of like the the private eye covering the, his own butt. But the in terms private of like, eye, yeah. The private eye's got his info wrong though too, right? The private eye ain't. Uh, well, th- th- is Locke's mother really a schizophrenic, or is all this part of Anthony Cooper's plan? Oh. Is the private eye part of? Is this because, is this a plot hole? <laughs> because later the the, I I I know these characters come back and forgive me. Like I said, I'm going through this again with fresh eyes after a long, after many years. But uh, I feel uh, like the the most logical explanation is that either Anthony Cooper planted a bunch of phony information that the detective uncovered, quote unquote, um, about Locke's mother, or Anthony Cooper waited until he found out which private eye uh, John Locke was hiring, and then he paid that private eye even more money 
to go ahead and feed lock this photo. We also, though. though, legitimately, we know his mother had had, had problems. I know it's, later in the series, we it's even also fair see to assume her that, yes. as a teenager. I mean, she could be a schizophrenic and she's just on meds, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that very well could be... This, this interaction could very well be on the level. It could also be that this so, guy is on Anthony's Somebody payroll. listening right now is like, oh, you idiots in, in season Probably. three, episode four. Don't you remember? Blah, 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 blah. No, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember because I only watched this show once because it hurt me and I said, fuck you, show. And I love this show so much, but this is the first time I'm doing like a truly complete rewatch mm-hmm. uh, from start to finish. Um, I watched a retrospective um, series on YouTube where one of the points they made of like, you don't see a whole lot of retrospectives on Lost because nobody wants to rewatch a show that they felt disappointed by. Oh, well, well now, now you're being too hard because it's, it's uh, I mean, I, I know so many people who are not disappointed by it and maybe they're all rewatching it. Maybe I've just been busy the last few years. <laughs> Because I, I love it, and they're, they're, I've gone back and revisited individuals. No, you're individuals. not the only one. Uh, they're, they're, I, I definitely know people who, uh, they go back and they rewatch the entire series from beginning to end, uh, in, and I don't know how they do it. <laughs> and I'm sadly about to find out over the course of the next when, two years. When we get to that last episode, and I'm on this podcast crying talking about it, I'm going wondering how you're going to react. <laughs> and that's when you were here, audience, Megan commit a murder <laughs> on the podcast. Um, so he goes to see his father, Anthony Cooper. And he lives in a gated community. There's a, there's a, a very oh, nice he's, guard. He's not a, it's not a gated community. Oh, it's not? His home oh, is gated. Oh, I thought it was just it's a straight his, up gated community. No, it's his he's home. He's rich as wow. fuck. That's his private guard. Wow. Anthony, you rich. He's rich, and Locke makes it clear, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not here, I don't want your money, I'm not here for that. Uh, And Anthony Cooper basically says, like, hey, you know, I was with your mother, she disappeared on me. Yeah, she told me she wasn't even going to have the baby, and then she hits me up for money about a year later, saying that she gave you up for adoption. It's like, what? Which is perfectly plausible for Locke to believe this. Especially given the information about his mother. That he has at his disposal. And like every other character on this show, all they want is a good relationship with their father. And Locke never had a father. And now he sees this man who now wants to do a father-son bonding thing. They're going to go hunting. Uh, David, Mr. Mr. Lindelof, um, are you okay? <laughs> Did you and your dad, like, are you all right? <laughs> Everything I'm- all right there? I'm trying to think of other, like, father relationships and other things he's written. The Leftovers, there's some interesting... Father-son dynamics. But not with every character like it is here. And maybe just with the the. He learned to space it out. (laughs) He learned to space it out in later shows before getting called out on it. Because I know that everybody called him out on it. But this is also a show that relies on everybody having common links. Which which is part of fair? Yeah, I mean that it is. It's it's one of the it's one of the things. Like everybody, these people are together for a reason. They mm. there's a commonality between them. You guys can't see it, but I'm taking a swig of liquor. As she's taking <laughs> as a swig Will of liquor because that. she also begrudgingly knows that's correct. I hate this show. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're basically. Uh, 
you know, they're doing father and son bonding. They're very awkwardly trying to get to know each other. But then we have a little bit of a jump, it seems, in the flashback. To Locke's been there a bunch of times, and we know because yeah. the guy at the gate is uh, the guy he, at the gate. He knows him now. Knows He's him like, now. Hey, like, John. hey, John. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we what's see, going on, buddy? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, the relationship with the guard at the gate, like, there are three times you see him, and the first time he's like, I can't I let you in here. But then he finds out, oh, right, right this way, Mr. Locke. Yeah. And right then, this way, Mr. Locke. And then the other time it's like the buddy-buddy, and then the last time the guard, like, clearly feels a lot of guilt. He knows this is wrong, but he can't, like, I'm what's gonna he gonna... I'm gonna have to ask you to turn around. Yeah, he, I mean, what do you do? Uh... I mean, he's got no choice. Um, but anyway, so... <laughs> He's like the nanny from the Walt episode, where it's like, I feel so bad for you being in this situation. Yeah. We can tell you're not happy about yeah. it either. <laughs> so what ends up happening is, um, you know, clever Anthony Cooper, um, you know, mm. he tells Locke to come at like 11... But then when Locke gets here, he's like, all right, I thought I told you to come at noon. He's like, no, you said to come at 11. And he sees him on his dialysis machine. He has kidney problems. Mm -hmm. And he needs a new kidney. I didn't want you to see this because it would ruin an otherwise wonderful day that we'd have together, Locke. A wonderful day shooting birds. Uh, um, so now, I do have to ask... When you first watched this episode, because I, I don't remember. I legitimately don't remember. I think I was along for the ride, and I wasn't as TV savvy back then. But when you initially watched this episode, did you see this as a red flag? Like, immediately. Was this a red flag to I, you? I honestly can't remember. See, in retrospect, watching it, I'm like, how could I not have? But I don't know. But I think I... Because I can't remember what my feelings were the first time I watched them, whether I'm confusing my sadness for Locke, like shocked how sad it got, with being shocked that he got duped. Well, because, Which I, I guess I should, I don't know. I don't know. Because, again, to the show's credit, in a previous episode, Walt asks him a question about his father, and Locke says he wasn't a very nice man. And I think because of the way network television worked, I had completely forgotten about, about that point. And also the way we watched television. I mean, we've talked about this before, but Lost is really... If you want to point to the show that, for better or worse, made us all, like, dissect... Pay attention. Everything. <laughs> but, like, I wouldn't even say pay attention, because I would pay attention to shows before that. Of but course, it's the one that, like, really you really had to... Like, I mean... I know people who, because a character on Lost read a novel, they'd go read that novel thinking there were clues. Like, there weren't... So, even back in the first season of the show, might not have been absorbing it in the same way we absorb television today. It's, it's it a Lost, shame. Lost taught us to watch TV a certain way. And that's to really... To look for clues. Yeah. And to look for foreshadowing. That's the enduring legacy of this show, if anything else. Again, for better or worse. Because there were some things that were clearly planned, and I think, and I've said this time and time again, those are the things that work best about this show. It's the shit that they didn't have a plan for, that they made up on the fly, that they didn't think through, Walt having powers, uh, the numbers on the hatch. You know, things that they just sort of threw at the wall hoping something would stick later on down the line, though that's where they wrote themselves into a corner. Every time you watch an episode of Westworld, and you're like, 
like, does this mean this because blah, 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 and it's in this episode? It's because of Lost. Think of Lost. Or if you want to... I, I haven't watched Westworld, so I can't speak But that's that. like a, a big uh, puzzle box but show. But if today. you want a show that's done, that has a well-thought-out mystery and a satisfying payoff, watch Gravity Falls because there are rewards for people who go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, there, granted, there are some things that sort of become predictable if you are sort of looking for that sort of thing, but it's a, it's a great animated show with a lot of funny moments that has a lot of great tidbits in the first season that get paid off in season two for the eagle-eyed viewer that likes puzzle box mysteries. So watch that show and don't watch Lost. <laughs> no, watch Lost. We want them to, to listen to the podcast. What are you, fucking nuts? Why are we doing this if the people aren't watching Lost? I'm trying to warn them, Will. I'm trying to warn them. Lost has one of the best emotional payoffs of any show I've ever seen. So anyway, what ends up happening... Lies uh, well, no, any show I've seen. I've seen two shows. I've watched this and Seinfeld. And That's Westworld. It. And Westworld. You've seen three <laughs> shows. Three shows. Um, so anyway, so Locke is with his father, and they're talking about, oh. you know, and Locke is like, I'll give you the kidney. I'll give you my kidney. Uh, hey, he's got two uh, kidneys. Of course, give him a kidney. And it cuts uh, to basically the two of them in the hospital room together. And it's like this sweet bonding moment. Like it's. I'll see so, you on the other side. It's so fucking heartbreaking. Because then, and we'll just get through this now. Locke wakes up from the well, surgery. I, I do want to point out that Anthony's the one that taught him how to hunt, which I think is hilarious. You know, looking forward to, you know, Island Locke, who's like this Crocodile Dundee sort of yeah. character. It's so heartbreaking oh. when Locke wakes up and his father's not there and it's like, what's happening? And then who's there? His mother, not acting so crazy. Uh -huh. She was basically, she was put up to do this. Uh, he put her up to it. Now, it turns out, as we've been alluding to basically this entire episode, that Anthony Cooper, in fact, pulled a long con on his son to get his kidney. Yes. Now, and then what, what follows is uh, Locke's mother telling him the truth, and then him going to the, to the compound demanding to see his father and getting turned away at the gate. What I want to ask you, Will, is what the hell was Anthony thinking cutting and running he had a good thing going for him would it have been that much of an inconvenience to continue to just play lock because you never know when you're going to need something else from somebody who thinks the world of you and uh, only and is willing to give you it's their kidney. so interesting you say that because i have in my notes here easier to have had a relationship question mark because yeah why didn't he just... Is it just that he... And I, I, I mean, I know there are more episodes with the two of them down the line. Uh, ultimately, he's the one who puts Locke in the wheelchair, pushes him out a window. Now, I suppose the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that Anthony Cooper, being the con man that he is, because we find out, oh, he's been doing this his whole life. That's why he's rich. And he's used many names, including one called Sawyer. Oh! <gasps> The, uh, <laughs> sorry, 
that was a huge intake of breath. But the, um, I guess what he's accustomed to is as soon as he gets what he wants, he cuts and runs because he's afraid that, like, you keep up the ruse for too long, you'll eventually get found out. But in my mind, I'm like, no, this is... This did, e- Locke finds out immediately, though. But, I mean, it's like, did he hate spending time with Locke that much that he had to, like, like, immediately, like, I can't even be in the hospital room when he wakes up. Like, I because mean... Because the best... Like, you and I are both looking at this in the true long con fashion of, like, no, you keep him around because think, you never know if you need him again. I think I'm looking at it in just the humanity fashion of, like, <laughs> right. why did, Because... Uh, but, I mean, I guess also, like, he's a rich fucking guy who's yeah. gotten away with murder, literally. And, yeah. And I guess he just feels like he can do whatever he wants. It doesn't I matter. Guess. I'm just going to leave my fucking son to in the hospital down a kidney. So he did it as a goof? He did. <laughs> once, he, once he got his kidney, he was like... <laughs> he did it <laughs> You know what's going to be hilarious? He did it because... He has such a sense of entitlement. He doesn't even realize he did, does it. He's like fucking Trump so, okay. or something. He's, he's like, like a he, so, he's he's a straight up sociopath, is what we're saying. Yes, and he doesn't even like it. Doesn't even register to him that like eh, I just want to do did this. Anything I just wrong. do this. Yeah, I, that's the only way I can justify it in my brain is that he's a sociopath who feels no empathy or because like. A lot of sociopaths feel like the world revolves around them, and so he feels like cutting and running is not a bad thing to do or doesn't necessarily see how, like, uh, it doesn't get how that's going to negatively affect him in the long run. Like, it's such a weird thing because in my mind, I'm like, okay, if you are heartless and you're doing this just to get the kidney you keep up that ruse so that Locke doesn't come back demanding his kidney. Like, there are so many ways Anthony Cooper could have gone about this same con without it resulting in what ultimately ends up happening. And I know the actual answer is the runtime of the episode is what caused him to do this. (laughs) But, like, from a non-meta perspective like that, it's like, well... It's either he's just straight up a sociopath and evil. Well, he he. I mean, he he's he gets a he gets a thrill out of having conned his little boy. I don't know if it's that he gets a thrill out of it. I I think it's that he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he he got what he wanted, and now the con is done. And again, in my mind, I'm like, that's not how cons work. But well, I mean, the con worked. He got his the kidney. Yeah, but like the kidney con. That's Ulti- all I cared about. Ultimately, that's not. It's not like be- he can get money out of Locke. His son doesn't have any money. But that's in the fact, other- I guess that's the other thing. That's why he doesn't want him in his life. Also, because he's going to be a sponge of money. He's always going to have to. You know, they go out for lunch. Who's picking up the check? Not John Locke. He works in a fucking toy store or whatever. Anthony Cooper. He's got money. But that's the thing. I'm sitting here again. It's you and I have, I guess, humanity. Yeah. So, like, I'm like... Yeah, I mean, I, have... would, I would never con my son into <laughs> giving me his kidney. Now, I, I I took the Pottermore test. I am a Slytherin. However, I'm... St- maybe that's why I'm approaching it as, like, that's a terrible way to go about that con. Um, but, like, I'm also, like... 
You have more money than God. You have nothing to gain by cutting him out of your life. Like, if anything, you do have a buddy you can go hunting with. Like, bare minimum, you can keep Locke around as your hunting buddy, you crazy sociopath. What's wrong with you? You know what? Yeah, he doesn't want to once a week go hunting with Locke. I guess that's he'd rather just not deal with that. <laughs> I mean, look, there are people that, uh, if I had to see them once a week, I, I might, I might, uh, you know, steal their kidney and never speak to them again. Uh. I feel like that, uh, <laughs> I feel personally attacked right now. Hey, look, I'm pretty much seeing you every other week, so. so <laughs> You're not going to try to steal my kidney that's, then? That's all I can take. Um, <laughs> of my anti-lost yeah. nonsense. Yeah, if we were talking about anything else, maybe I could take it some more. I mean, I mean, we did talk about Orphan Black for a good long while. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so let's get to, so okay, so let's get let's get to the Sorry, island here. We've talked a lot about this flash, but this is this honestly, I think this is weirdly where more of the meat of the episode is because although there's a giant event that happens on the island, I feel like the mechanics of the island are more. I I, I feel like. What's serving this episode emotionally a lot is the flashbacks until yes. we get to the end where kind of Locke well, is having the, a big emotional moment on the island. It's funny because Walkabout showed us so little of his life but so much emotionally of where he was at that point in time. Um, because, yeah, there, there was so little of his life shown. Like, the runtime of the episode was... Like, the, the number of scenes with the flashback was so short. I feel like we got more flashback scenes in this episode. And I didn't sit there with a stopwatch, but I feel like a good portion of the episode was the flashbacks. In this, compared to the last flashback episode we got with Locke. Well, what's also interesting, though, on this episode, is this is the first time we're seeing Island Locke really loses cool. Now, we've seen him snap at people, but it was in the service of, like, yeah. solving a problem. We, where this is him being frustrated and being frustrated with himself, even. And the... Like, he's putting together this trebuchet. Trebuchet. Trebuchet, which I... <laughs> Boone, I can't spell it either. I don't know if I, I spelled it right I couldn't spell it, but I know how to say it. <laughs> um, and he's trying to crack the glass on the hatch, and it's not working doesn't understand why it's not working. It's like this and was it is, supposed to work. Yeah, and it, it's like it is his engineering skills are <laughs> failing him. He, so his smarts are failing The island spirit and magic that he's bought into is failing Everything is failing him. And I, I wonder if that's also why his legs begin to fail him. I, I don't know. You could, you could make the argument that it's it's all connected is, as as he begins to weirdly question his abilities in a frustrated way, that's when he his the island magic starts to wear off on him. Or you could make the argument that island magic just wanted to get Boone in the plane to kill him. I, I, I mean, <laughs> well, but, but it's, it's... You, could, you it's, could also argue something else, too. Back when this show, you know, season one, was pretending to be grounded in reality, um, because... Early, or was it ever... Early seasons of this show, the writers claimed that they were they were going more of the sci-fi stuff where all of the stuff could all the crazy island magic stuff could be explained. Again, that was either a lie or plans changed. 
Um, I have no problem with either if it was a lie or a plans change. Because plans, plans on shows legitimately they have to do. change. Look at The Walking Dead right now. They do. I don't like being lied to, <laughs> um, personally. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, you, If you wanted to look at this from the more grounded perspective of, like, Locke is a crazy person for believing in the things he's believing in, um, you could look at this a sort of deterioration of his legs as being purely psychosomatic because he's in such a frustrated, emotionally fraught state, you could see his deterioration being 100% all in his head. Like, or, or in the, in, if you wanted to go a little bit more sciency as opposed to psychosomatic, um, you could go with like, oh no, what's happened? Like, he's just deteriorating again. Because, again, we don't know what caused the paralysis. So it could have been just whatever happened to him on the crash to cause his legs to function. He's just physically deteriorating again. But he views it as, like, his crisis of faith is causing the island to take back its gift or the island taking back its gift is all part of the test that he's going through. Those are all possibilities, which is why this show is both good and bad. Um, He gets shrapnel in his leg, which is the first sign he doesn't feel it. And it is in there deep. Like, you see how much red is on that piece of shrapnel, and you're like, damn. And him and Boone, they're getting a little contentious with each other. Which, thank God... Like, Boone is pushing back, and Boone's also annoyed that, like, he knows nothing about Locke's past, really. Yeah. And Locke's like, oh, my story will bore you. Which, clearly it wouldn't. You gave your con man father a kidney <laughs> when he eventually pushed you out a window. I was your story is anything but uneventful, John Locke. If anything, his story, and I mean, John knows that, I guess, but it's... If anything, he might have the most interesting backstory of anyone on the island. I mean... Including the rock star and the lottery winner. Uh, this island is populated by people with very interesting backstories. But yeah, he's definitely... You You add in the miracle that happened to him, and he's definitely have has a flavorful backstory, that's for sure. Um, so anyway... Uh, Locke is, is clearly worried. He burns his foot. He can't feel it. And so just things are, things are... Which, again, credit to Boone, who I've been hating for the last couple episodes, but credit here because he's actually finally questioning John but, Locke. But then the big moment where Boone comes at him, it's not real. It's a dream. Yeah. And Boone's really... And it's funny, rewatching this, I was like, Oh yeah, good for you, Boone. And then you turn out to not be real, totally, and you're like, ah, I totally it. forgot it was a dream, and I'm like, oh yeah, of course it was. And there's this weird moment, like, and they have this argument with it. He's like, the island will tell us what to do, and and Boone's questioning this whole destiny bullshit, and and Locke's like, don't tell me what I can't do, and then cut to Boone, bloody. Going, Teresa falls down the stairs, Teresa falls up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs. It's like, what is happening? And Locke sees an airplane, and Boone's covered in blood, and then we realize it's a dream. And Locke wakes up from this dream, and he knows where he has to go now. Mm. And 
he wakes Boone up and he convinces Boone that he got some vision in a dream by saying this up the stairs, down the stairs thing, which I guess is some horrific story about Boone used to like make his nanny go up and down the the stairs stairs constantly all day until she accidentally fell, which also is that a thing if I walk up and down a flight of stairs enough on a long enough timeline, am I bound to fall down them and break my neck? <laughs> like, like I've the, definitely had that thought when I've like slipped was, on a step before. I've definitely been like, oh, please, don't let my story end this way. <laughs> but, you know, Boone seems to have Boone, some guilt about this. Boone he was six years old when it yeah. happened. And, you know, again, being an entitled little rich kid. It's a weird backstory, it's, it's a very, though. That doesn't weird. quite make sense. It doesn't quite really click into anything else going on. I feel like this should have been more... It's put in there to be creepy and esoteric. Yes, and that might be my biggest problem. Okay, that's that's a fair point, because, yeah, it's it's some cryptic shit that's put in there for the sole purpose of being cryptic shit. Because it could have literally been anything, but it's like... well, it's like I them. Mean, it's like it's this weird Lynchian moment on a show that's only only pseudo Lynchian. Yeah, the uh, when when he starts reciting this weird. It's not even a like a nurse. Like I feel like I would have accepted it more if it was like a straight up nursery dumpty or something. Yeah, because like when he starts saying up the stairs and down the stairs, your tree Lisa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs. I was thinking like in my head like. The movie Identity, the opening lines from Identity was when I was climbing up the stairs, I saw a man that wasn't there, you know, and it's just like, okay, that ties in, but this Teresa falls up and down the stairs only exists to be creepy and then to allow Boone an excuse to believe John Locke and his crazy nonsense. It's, yeah, Mm. I kind of am annoyed by it. (laughs) Anyway, uh... I mean, but I'm not necessarily annoyed that where it goes, because I like the two of these guys traipsing through the jungle, and I and, like that Locke is losing the ability and, to walk, because Locke also needed to get, uh, forgive the metaphor, but he needed to get knocked down a peg or two. He absolutely did, because he's wrong about everything. He, he needed to be <laughs> humbled a little bit, because we're, we've gone 19 episodes of this show being like, this is guy is everyone's following this guy, this is the only guy who knows what's really going on, and he... The fact of the matter is, is that he he knows some of what's going on, but he's being openly manipulated. He, yeah, he knows more of what's going on than anyone, but he but still he's doesn't still know the big picture. He doesn't he's know getting, he's the mouse. He's getting Anthony Cooper on this island. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, to the show's credit, take a drink, um... It does get across what it wants to get across. It wants to be creepy in this moment, and it succeeds in that. I, I'm with you, Will, though. I have problems with it. But, yeah, it, it does succeed in being creepy, and it does knock John Locke down a peg, for sure. Uh, so Locke's, like, having trouble walking, and Boone's, like, questioning all this. Uh, then they find... The dead body. The priest. Now... Now, this is a good if, setup, though, for... If my memory serves correctly, yeah. this ties in later to one of my favorite characters. Mr. In... Echo. Mr. Echo! I love Mr. Echo so much. He's so great. The And, and that's an example of the show had, when they get rid of Mr. Echo, they didn't want to. The actor wanted off the show. Yes. There's some things on TV you just can't control. Yes. Um... 
but but he was the best and I loved him. It's Mr. Echo's brother, Yemi, I believe was his name. Who? Uh, who was a Nigerian priest. Although they question if he was really a priest because he's got a gun and there's Nigerian and there's a, money. There's Nigerian money and there are a plethora of hollowed out Virgin Marys containing, what is it, Will? Bump, bump, bump! Of all the drugs that it could be carrying, what drug is it, Will? Heroin. What? But we haven't gotten to those statues yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I was going to let you have your big build-up. Thank it. you for letting me have that big build-up moment. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Uh, well, I appreciate you. Ah, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, Locke, Locke then confesses his story to Boone. He tells him. Yeah. He was in a wheelchair. And the island gave it. And now the island's taken away his bill. What the island gives, it then takes away. It's a fickle island. <laughs> um, and I think that may be the truest statement you've ever said on this podcast. It's a fickle, <laughs> it's a fickle island. island. <laughs> and Locke and Boone are going at it again. Mm-hmm. And then Locke's like, look. Boone's like, what are you laughing at? He's like, look, there's the plane I saw. The boss, the plane, the plane. And Boone decides to climb into the plane. Oh, well, Locke's the one that says, I need you to climb up into there because oh, right. his legs aren't working. Yeah, right. Locke can't go up there. And Boone's climbing and Locke's looking like, mm, and Boone's climbing. Uh, uh, <laughs> just ugh. <laughs> now, look, uh, this is a dumb move. This is a dumb move, even for dumb Boone standards. <laughs> climb into the plane that's, like, teetering enough mm -hmm. uh, up there, up in the trees. Um, it's an even dumber move how long he stays in the plane. Mm -hmm. And Locke is telling him to get out of there. Mm -hmm. But Boone... Being Boone. Well, Boone gets in there, and there's the Virgin Mary statues, and he throws one down. He's like, there were drug dealers, and Boone's angry. Well, because Lo Locke told him to go up there and look to find whatever it is that the island wants them to find in there to help them get into the hatch. Which, if I were in Boone's shoes, I'd be like, what the, What am I looking for? I don't know what I'm looking for. I need direction because I'm Boone. <laughs> and <Yeah>. lack imagination. <laughs> um, then... Boone, one of the reasons Boone doesn't leave is because there's a radio. Mm -hmm. And he tries radioing. And there's a voice. Someone's, someone's saying. What's interesting. There's someone there. What's interesting. Did you watch this episode on closed captioning? No. I watched it on closed captioning. And I'm very glad I did. Specifically because of this moment. Um, because he goes, we're the survivors of Flight Oceanic 815. And the voice on the other end, because I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't remember if we ever find out who's on the other end of this radio. Like, is it one of the others picking up this transmission? Is it somebody on a passing ship? We don't know. Is it somebody at the Dharma Initiative, like, on the mainland? We don't know. Um, and I don't know if we ever get an answer to that, and frankly, I don't care. But in this moment, he goes, we're the survivors of Oceanic 815, Flight 815, and... The person on the other end, and I would not have known this if it wasn't for the closed captioning, says there are no survivors of Oceanic Flight 815. 
It's amazing what sometimes closed captioning, uh, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah, which makes me go, ah, this is... This is the purgatory thing. This is, like, early on, everybody, like, a lot of people had the theory that the island was actually purgatory, that they didn't survive. And I firmly believe that that was a possibility until the writers realized that everyone was guessing that. And then they were like, oh, no, we got to steer away from that. Until they wrote themselves into a corner and went, crap, we have to go the purgatory Well, route. again, the island was never purgatory. <laughs> it was what no. they say. But it, that's the fact. They, but it's a it's a moment like this, especially in a show where everybody's dissecting every little thing. And yeah. I, I'm sure there were plenty of people watching on closed captioning or people who just heard it because I, I can't hear things yeah. when I watch on TV um, that heard there are no survivors of Oceanic 815, Flight 815. And I think that's part of what fueled well, the, uh, look, the that's, purgatory look, That's fair for you to uh, uh, assume, and I, and I think you're correct in this assumption that at this point in the game they hadn't necessarily decided what everything was going to be and having that in there that line in there is a nod to it could be purgatory it could be purgatory and i firmly believe that that was something they they were legitimately considering until everyone guessed it and then they firmly denied it because they're liars um but that being said uh, even even if that's not the case, even if you do believe what they said in terms of the island was never purgatory, then this establishes no everybody on the mainland or everybody all all you know relevant parties. Uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, there are no survivors of Oceanic Flight Eight One Five, which means no one's looking for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the island never was purgatory. Yeah, but I mean, if, but I mean that's just a you, fact. If you believe their lies, <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, it's even said in the final episode. The island wasn't purgatory. Yes, uh, everything that happened on the island was real. What's purgatory is the yeah, sideways. Oh yeah, no, no. Universe. Please, please don't con- confuse what I'm saying in terms of what ended up shaking out in the show. What I'm saying is that the writer's plan changed. You think it was meant to be purgatory? I think it was meant early to be purgatory. You think oh, it no. like or when the series Damon Lindelof after like the pilot was like, yeah, this is gonna be purgatory, and then, and then everybody guessed it, and they went, shit, uh, we'll we'll do something else, or we'll lie about it being purgatory. Well, and here here's the thing, no, I I fully acknowledge that at the end of the series they acknowledged that everything that happened on the island was in fact real. However, that was not the... Because I actually called somebody out on the episode of Movie Fights that I was in. Good. I I docked somebody down a point after I had been eliminated from the game and became a judge. I I knocked them down a point because they referred to the island as purgatory. And I'm like, that is incorrect. So, so yeah, I I fully acknowledge that. Oh, good, good, good. I thought you were some, like, weird purgatory truther. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, I... What I think happened was that that was the original plan, and then when the audience guessed it, they either lied or they changed the plan and then, like I said, wrote themselves into a corner. This, well, this closed captioning thing is a great example of why you might be right on that. Although it strikes me as dumb that in a post-Sixth Sense world that they would have ever thought that people wouldn't start wouldn't to think guess. that these people were dead. Well, um, it's it's tough, but in a, in any case, it means that nobody's looking for them. 
Whether, whether the island was meant to be purgatory or not, it means that no one's looking for these people. And no one's looking for Boone because ah! then shortly after this, the plane, the plane crash. Boone is in a second plane crash. <laughs> Which I do have to, when I'm like looking at it, I was like, it didn't fall that far. Oh. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. Shannon, oh, my brother died in a plane crash. Oh, the one that you were in? No, no. no other one that happened. On Granted, he was not strapped in. He was not secured. Um, and I'm not going to pretend like I understand physics enough to, to, and I'm certainly not a doctor, but I'm like, that didn't fall that far. Did he really get that hurt? And then he dies in the next episode. So I'm like, ah, oh, I'm a But, bad but you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it's a far enough fall to yeah. hurt you. And then you're inside this, this plane, you're bouncing around. And yeah, that. he's not, he wasn't secured. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So it's, it's one of those things where it's totally conceivable that he could sustain fatal injuries here, especially with Locke throwing him over his shoulder and just carrying him. Well, back. that's the thing. All of a sudden, Locke can walk again. Yeah. I mean, he's not walking great, but he can walk again. He's like, oh yeah, now I feel that shrapnel. Well, <laughs> but that's the thing. Is it that the island, and th this is the, the other great debate here, is so, was it that Boone had to die, the island felt Boone had to die to help make Locke the man they needed him to be? Be, and then they gave him the ability to at least try to save like or is this all Locke's willpower is it all the or is it just that Locke is you know an overzealous cult leader and that he got this guy in this position like I, I mean it all depends how much you want to put everything on island magic and I'll everything tell you what on Jacob yeah. if you asked me before this episode I would have said it's the island. The island needed some weird sacrifice to help Locke going. But now part of me wonders how much of this is just, you know, Locke's Locke, own hubris. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like Locke flew too close to the sun <laughs> on this one, you know. But I, We're I, all like Icarus. <laughs> um, but he does carry him back to the caves where he tells Jack he fell off a cliff and then proceeds to get the hell out of there while Jack is working. And I think a lot of that is shame. A lot of that is like he knows like this. Well, he's become a, fa a guy in an episode that we're dealing with Locke's father. Locke has become clearly a father figure to Boone on this yeah. island. And he has done and his song, son wrong and doesn't know how to deal with this. The, uh, and, you know, just... Like, Anthony Cooper lied to get what he wants. You know, Locke relies on lies to sort of just skirt past the the responsibility aspect of this. Um, I do want to say, though, and granted, you're, you're in a life-or-death situation. Locke's injured. He, he's having a crisis of faith. Boone may die here, which, spoiler alert, he does. Um, but what's funny is that he could have told a better version of the truth and, you know, and it would have seemed a lot less shady. It would have been like, hey, we found a plane wreckage while we were out and about. Uh, Boone tried to use the radio and the plane fell out of the trees and he got injured. Like, Locke could have said that. And, be, you know, because Boone got hurt trying to use the radio and that's why he stayed in the plane. So Locke could have just doubled down on that. But... He didn't because he's either not thinking straight or because he feels guilty. I can it's, see it's him not thinking straight and just saying a Again, simple thing and me, getting the hell out of there. Me just, uh, in terms but of no, like my foresight, I'm like, 
You need to learn from your father, <laughs> lock and learn to be a better con man. Use the version of, the actual version of the truth that is both closer to what actually happened and ties and makes you look better. <laughs> and then... The, Listen to the Slytherin here. There's a way you can spin this. The last uh, moment we see in the episode of Lockdown, I think it's quite a really well done scene as he's... He's yes. a mess. He's weeping. He's at the hatch, and he doesn't understand like what the island wants from him, and he doesn't understand, and he's crying. And it's in juxtaposed with, um, you know, him standing outside of the gate of his father's home, you know, demanding answers, demanding that his father come out and answer for what he did, and so, and you know, he's he's the man on the outside demanding to be let in and is met with resistance and then we you know we cut here and it's the same thing he's on the outside demanding the truth that's within outside of his grasp that he that there's a barrier between him and the truth and it's it's exceedingly well done and uh, and i've always loved the image of when the light comes on yes in it, the it's just a very striking image the show it's something that's used again in uh, season five, uh, in the uh, when they're traveling through time, and we see it from like another angle. Sorry. <laughs> time travel in this show. It's so dumb. Anyway, but I I love I love the moment too. Like going back to season one and re-experiencing this moment. I'm sad that, like, the next episode doesn't give us an immediate payoff for that light coming on, but I can't deny the power that that image has at the tail end of this episode. It's, it's a very, as you said, it's a very striking image. So, uh, there's, an, there's another storyline going on. <laughs> and that story, it's like, it's, a, it's, just, it's like, so we're dealing with all these grandiose things and all these sad, horrific things. And the B story is Sawyer's got a headache. <laughs> and Kate's like, oh, you should go see Jack. I don't want to go see Jack. Come on, we're going to go see Jack. Grubble, grubble. I don't want to go see Sawyer. Well, you got it, Jack. <laughs> yeah, Sawyer's trying everything. He's getting herbs from Sun. Nothing's working. I freaking love this B plot so much. <laughs> he doesn't want Jack's help. He's sitting on a beach. Everybody's pissing him off. Yells at a bunch of nothing well, characters. Nothing characters who, to to Sawyer's credit, seem to be just banging on things for no reason. They're trying to start a band. <laughs> they, they do seem to a be a percussion band. They on do the seem islands. to be making a lot of noise. And getting nowhere. Because <laughs> it's not even like they're helping out on the raft or if, like they're building shelters. Yeah, they they just seem to be making noise for the sake of making noise. He's also, you know, <laughs> he's uh, he doesn't want Jack's help. But he's also sensitive to light. Eventually he's got to go see Jack. Like, I love the interactions that Jack and Sawyer have in this episode. Because there there's one or two moments where I'm just like, Oh, just kiss already. <laughs> you know, you're giving each other crap, but like, come on, just kiss already. <laughs> well, and let Kate be the leader. 
there's this there's the moment where then Jack examines him and then he starts Dude. asking him all sorts of personal questions. Like, oh, have you ever slept with a prostitute? <laughs> because that's real. It's funny because he like almost immediately picks up on like what the actual issue is and then proceeds to put him on blast. And he asks a couple Jake. he asks a couple of more legitimate questions, but Sawyer still doesn't want to answer because he's Sawyer and he's Because he's a prickly pear. Yeah, and then he <laughs> and he asks about the prostitutes and Sawyer's like and he's not <laughs> answering and Jack's like, I'll take that as a yes. And then he's asked him if he's ever had a sexually transmitted disease. And Sawyer's like, we're like, what's that got to do with anything? And, and another like, yes. And another yes. And then Sawyer storms off. And Kate knows what's going on. She's like, that was mean. Yeah. <laughs> Which, why is she there while he's getting examined? Well, I guess she figured it was just an eye exam. Or, well, maybe not an eye exam, but she figured it, it wasn't going to get into anything personal. He wasn't yeah. going to drop his pants and have to cough, you know? <laughs> but... So he wasn't going in for a colonoscopy. Yeah, like island colonoscopy. Oh my god. Um, but I... I love this so much. Because, I don't know about you, Will, I wouldn't want my... I don't go to the doctor as much as I should in terms of like regular checkups and stuff like that. Yeah. But I wouldn't want my general practitioner, or in the case of island doctor, uh, the only doctor available to me, uh, I wouldn't want him to be a prankster. <laughs> yeah. I would I would also be like, I would also even, I have never slept with a prostitute, but if my doctor asked me, like, like if you slept with a prostitute, I'm, my reaction before saying no might be like, what? <laughs> like, why are you asking this? I have this? migraines. Well, because yeah. part of the reason why is that Sawyer has a sort of fear that it may very well be a brain tumor because his uncle died of a brain tumor. Yeah. Um, so, like, there is this underlying sense of fear of, like, <gasps> what if I have a brain tumor and what if it's only now manifesting itself? And everyone knows you do get brain tumors from prostitutes, from sleeping with <laughs> prostitutes. That's how cancer works. That's why I've never slept with a prostitute. <laughs> I just don't want a brain tumor. I'm sure it'd be a lovely time, but, but it's not worth the brain tumor. <laughs> it's not worth all the cancer. Yeah. Um, you know, that sexually transmitted disease, cancer. Um, I will say... This is what I'm talking about in terms of, like, I want my high school AU uh, fanfic because I love the idea of, like, high school Jack being a prankster and, you know, having his own reality-esque online web series where he pulls pranks on people and goes, you just got jacked. Uh, <laughs> he would totally do that because he's a pain He just in the got ass. jacked. He, he thinks who he is. That Jack. I I will say though that like this is I don't remember season one Jack being this this mean spirited. And maybe that's just me again kind of carrying over a lot of I emotions mean, from the pilot and and from all the best cowboy you know, all the best cowboys have daddy issues. But I don't remember Jack being this mean spirited. Well this isn't that mean spirited. Yeah. I mean, I think if it was a, if I think if Jack believed Sawyer had a serious problem, he wouldn't be making jokes. Yeah. But because it's just that he because needs he knows glasses. It, yeah. And look, it's Sawyer. You know, this is also an example of maybe Sawyer not being able to, to take, take, a joke. It, take it as much as he can give it. Kind well, of it's funny because he loves dishing it on when it's him giving himself a hard time. 
like he lo- again he wants to make himself the villain he hates himself a lot um da 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 but like the second somebody else starts giving him sh- bullshit that was unsolicited like that's when he gets all like <laughs> indignant and doesn't like it oh so it's so funny so anyway uh just to put a button on this they bring Sawyer a box of glasses. Like, you need glasses. And he's trying on different glasses, trying to figure out, you know. Josh Holloway pulls off the glasses and look oh so well. And then we see a really semi-extended moment of Saeed, <laughs> like, welding two glasses together to, to make the perfect pair for Sawyer for him to see. Which also just struck me as odd and just we need Saeed to do something because like what was happening that was a little it was very extended maybe it was maybe it was just this moment of like hey you know Sawyer already kind of made his peace with Saeed um in terms of like showing that he didn't harbor any ill will towards them maybe they were like tortured yeah uh, maybe they were like let's have Saeed do something so that we can sort of put a pin in that whole thing because maybe maybe they had a scene that ended up on the cutting room floor in an earlier episode and they and because it it didn't get incorporated into the show they were like oh let's let's just give this one little moment there's also uh, we're also going to get an episode down the line of a Saeed flashback where we see that before he was working for the uh, Republican Guard he uh, was an optometrist No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm joking, I'm joking. joking. I I legit believed you for a When I saw, I expected you to laugh, and when I saw that you you bought it, I didn't do a jack, I immediately let you know. You just got jacked. You just got jacked. You just got willed. Yeah. You just got linked. Oh, that's better. Well played. So. (laughs) Honestly, again, I, I mentioned it a couple episodes ago, there are episodes I've missed um, during my initial run through of this season. So if you told me with a straight face that there's an episode where we go back to Saeed before the war and he's working as an optometrist, I 100% would have believed you. <laughs> so um, as we wrap this thing up, uh, we got to do our uh, little light, light dark. dark Jacob Man in Black. What's your Man in Black? Oh, my man in black is that there isn't a scene where Anthony Cooper, Susan, and Randy all hang out being the worst people in the world together. Every non-island person on this show is a fucking nightmare, right? They're awful. No, my man, my real man in black is that I'm like, in my opinion, I'm like, okay, it's a little contrived that he would just cut and run, but you know, as as we talked about, I'm like, that's. That's not a good way to, to get away with the crime, but I can also buy it in terms of he's just a sociopath who, as soon as he got what he wanted, dropped everything. So it's both something I accept, but also something I'm like, eh, if, it, if I had been the one conducting this con, I would have gone about it differently. Um, you know, it's tough. I'm having trouble with A Man in Black for this one, even though I don't think it's necessarily a perfect episode. Because I don't want to... It's not I don't a bad want, episode. It's not a bad episode by any... Episode by any no, it's actually... I think it's it's quite good. But, I mean, I, I don't want my Man in Black to be something as, like, Boone's an idiot because he didn't get out of that plane. But, so, you know what? I'm going to go with the, like... Teresa falls up the stairs. Yeah, because it's, like I said, it's... <clears throat> for- it's, like, the worst moment... David Lynch never had on Lost, you for, know. For 
me, I, I'm kind of where you're at. There's nothing really technically wrong with this episode. It's fine. That moment is probably the most problematic out of everything. Because even the moment I picked, I'm like, I'm kind of scratching my brain trying to figure that that's me like looking for something and i knew that that was going to be your man in black so i was looking for something different but for me i guess the real man in black here is not something i can point to specifically as like a specific scene for me the real man in black is that just that this maybe because it's the writing team maybe because it's so focused well, on saying island it's magic. Getting to the first. It's it's just the feeling that this feels like a later episode than Lost, and that's not something I can quantify. It's just something that I feel, which is a weird. Is place that? To be. But do you think you only feel it because because of baggage? Yeah, that you know emotional baggage coming into the show. Which again, fair point. So I'm not well, sure if it's a real know, man in black. We either. know how important the introduction of Anthony Cooper is. Also, yeah, that's that this is the man who uh, affects Sawyer's life, Locke's life in ways that we like. Because that's the thing, Anthony Cooper's just begun to fuck with Locke. Yeah. And he's already got his kidney. Huh. Um, I'm gonna the from a storytelling standpoint and a character standpoint, my my Jacob is gonna be just the heartbreak. And Terry O'Quinn plays it perfectly, as usual. The heartbreak of realizing he's been duped by his father in the desperation of when he goes to see him in that scene at the gate. Uh, that, coupled with the final moment of him on the hatch, I mean, that's... Th- this episode... It's this, this positively was, this, excellent. Yeah, this episode builds to these really wonderful emotional well, crescendos. And, and a, when when the episode is leaning into those emotional moments, the the bit of that um, Michael Giacchino? Yeah. The bits with his score, like, I'm starting to listen for it now, and I'm like, oh yeah, that that's effective music. That's effective music. It's, uh, I mean, the score to Lost is, I think, one of the all-time great uh, oh, yeah. uh, scores in television say, history. Say what you will about this show, which I will, but the one thing no one can deny is how amazing the music is. It's it's memorable. It's emotional. Like it was it was a well scored series it's, from start to finish. It's kind of like the theme from Dragonheart. You're like, this is a garbage movie, but gosh darn it, if that music's not amazing. I don't even know if I is that a score that I know, but I don't know. I know. Da, 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 da. They use it in movie trailers a lot. I'll okay, play it for so you. So it's We're probably done. a thing that I know, but uh, it's I, one of my favorite movies scores ever. I, I, I never even saw the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, you'll recognize the song when you hear it, but neither here nor there. Um, for me, I think my my Jacob, my man in white, um, that, that what you pointed out is probably the highlight of the episode in terms of like storytelling and the emotional peak and everything like that. So for the sake of being different, I'm just going to say that the, the B <laughs> plot of Sawyer trying to trying on glasses and everything like that. Like, it's fun, it's cute, it's light. I, I would love to read, like, the cable description of the show, like, Locke goes to a crisis of faith, is it, blah, 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 all this heavy shit, and then it's like, Sawyer needs glasses. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, you know, you know how it's always, like, one sentence, and then sometimes they'll do a sentence. The one, the, like, three-sentence summary, or the three-word summary of, like, the B-plot, um, which... <laughs> I just hear Lisa needs braces in my head. You're like, Daniel plan. (laughs) Sawyer needs glasses. Vision plan. (laughs) Sawyer needs glasses. Vision plan. (laughs) 
Island magic. Sawyer needs glasses. Island magic. Sawyer needs glasses. Alright, well, that's it for Deus Ex Machina. Uh, Megan, where can the people find you? Y'all can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Real Will Link. And until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network. Um, Off the Cuffs, which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being There, Will Sean podcast. Will he? Uh, he does. <laughs> uh, you would know. Drinks with God and Proud to be Kinky. Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for, for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love. Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars. Do that. And then also give us five stars. Yeah, we could use it. <laughs>